Welcome to this episode of the Engineering Project Management Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping project managers sharpen their PM skills. In today's episode, we're going to be discussing some strategies for delivering your projects on time and on budget. I have with me a very experienced project manager today, and he's going to share some very specific actions that he's taken over and over on his projects to ensure that they are successful. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano, and I have with me today J.C. Hungerford, professional engineer, a civil engineer, and water division manager at Parametrics. And J.C. is really going to dive into how effective project communication, both internally as well as externally with your clients, can be a huge driver for delivering projects on time and on budget. And I'm really excited for this episode. We did a lot of work with Parametrics on helping them to build a real flagship project management development program for their project managers that we've been delivering for them. And JC, our guest for today, was helpful to us through that process. He was one of the professionals at Parametrics that we worked with. And really, I just love seeing any company so committed to the development of their staff like Parametrics is. And I hope that your company has programs like this And you should seek them out because you need to sharpen your PM skills. It's so important, especially in the world of consulting. And I do just want to give Parametrics just a little plug here. They're a great company. If you're interested in in working for a great consulting firm, you could check them out at parametrics.com. Their company consists of engineers, scientists, planners, surveyors, and construction managers. And they're all really focused on providing outstanding client service to their clients. And they're also employee owners. They are an ESOP, which is also exciting. And really, to me, it's exciting because of the investment that they make in their staff. And we've been thrilled to work with them at EMI to build that custom project management development program. Notice I don't call it training. We don't like to call it training at EMI. Because training is a one-time event, right? You go to a training session and then you go back to work. Those don't work. You need a development program and it keeps on working. And so with Parametrics, there's things we're going to be doing throughout the year for them where people can still get access to project management help even after the training course is over. So if you're thinking about a program like this for your firm, make sure that it's comprehensive and that it is a program, not just a training. And if you need any help from us, visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Again, that's engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. With that, let's jump into our conversation with J.C. Hungerford of Parametrics. All right, now it's time for our PM conversation of the week. And I want to welcome on our guest for today, JC Hungerford, professional engineer, water division manager at Parametrics. JC, welcome to the Engineering Project Management Podcast. Thanks, Anthony. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, definitely excited to have JC on board. At EMI, we did some work with Parametrics. We helped them to build kind of a flagship project management development program that we've been running for them, and it's gone very well. And today, we're going to touch on some really important points in project management, some of which are in the program that we've been doing, but we're really happy to have JC with us. So JC, in your own words, tell us about your role as division manager. What is it that you do for Parametrics on a day-to-day basis? So I manage our water divisions in both Oregon and Washington, and uh, it's about uh, 65 folks that I directly supervise. And then within uh, Parametrics, we have over 100 folks that we collaborate on water-related projects, so water, wastewater, and stormwater, and uh, all phases of planning, engineering, and uh, construction management for the projects. The company was founded on water solutions and water 
practice, water, wastewater treatment, collection, and conveyance. And uh, we've certainly expanded on that over the last few years. And the company's making a huge investment in our water division currently and looking to continue to grow not only in this region, but the other regions of parametrics. Based on some of the numbers that you said there, JC, 65 people, 100 people across the company. And these are just internally, obviously, when it comes to project management, you're dealing with a lot of external parties. And so I mean, we can ask any experienced project manager and they're all going to say the same thing, that communication is really the foundation of successful projects. But in your own words, you can talk about why communication is so important in project management. First of all, to get buy-in from the team is really important and uh, make the, you know, help them be passionate about what they're doing. But miscommunication often leads to rework and certain elements of the project, uh, whether it's scope creep or, you know, running out of budget. That's usually the starting point of where we see those projects go wrong and things start to go south is uh, poor communication. And whether it's not having regular check-ins with either your internal team at all levels from begin uh, entry-level engineers all the way up to your senior design leads, as well as with your client, it's really important to keep them as part of your decision matrix and making sure that you're following up with the recommendations you're making to them. And then more importantly, conveying that back to the team in an efficient manner quickly. So if project decisions, design decisions are made, that the team's aware of that quickly. One thing that JC said there that's really important is with regards to scope creep being a point on a lot of projects where a project really does get off track. And if you're not familiar with what scope creep is, it's essentially when your project team or you as the project manager start working on things that are not included in the scope of work, which means you're not being paid to do. It's a very important topic in project management. In fact, in the the parametrics project management development program that we worked on, it's a big component of that program because really you need to educate your project managers about scope creep, but the base of it or the root of the problem really is ineffective communication. If you're communicating properly with the clients, you're clear on expectations, you're both clear on the scope, and your team members are clear on the scope, then you can put a good fence around your project, like as we like to say. However, without that communication, you can. And so it is very critical on your project's communication. You got to keep it going through all parties. And I think, as you kind of heard there from JC, it's with other parties. Like that's what makes it so hard. It's not just your team internally. And that's why we got to really focus on things. So, JC, you manage a very large team at various levels. How do you ensure effective project communication across the different team members? Are there tools or software that you use? How do you go about doing that? Yeah, obviously with the pandemic, we've been offered new tools such as you know virtual platforms, which have their strengths and weaknesses to be direct. Uh, having a regular project check-in meetings with your entire team is really important and not just senior leads, but making sure that everybody's invited and participating in those meetings. From my experience, they may appear expensive on your budget, but in the end, all my projects that I've done that on, we've come in under within budget and completed the scope of work and often ahead of schedule as well, just because the team's working efficiently together and we're communicating as one. Through the pandemic, uh, it's created the need for more diligent manual check-ins through virtual platforms because you can't walk down the hall and just check in with various engineers or you know designers that are working on the project. So it takes a little bit more effort. And now that we're coming back into a hybrid environment, I certainly welcome that opportunity to just go check in with folks on the team because I've found during regular large check-in meetings, while there's certainly value to everybody being there, there's some folks that are just hesitant 
to speak up in those large format settings. And you can usually sense it in the meeting by reading body language or just those folks that often bring up issues are a little more hesitant to share them. So for me personally, it's important to follow up with them shortly after the meeting and just check in and make sure there's nothing that's in the back of their mind that they want to bring up that I can bring up with various members of the team following up with those formal meetings. That's great. And I really like the point that JC that you make about, you know, some people I know resist meetings because to your point, you're taking a lot of people that are billable professionals, you're putting them together at one time. And theoretically, they're not working on their project at that time. But in all reality, if you're getting everybody on the same page and making sure that people are communicating effectively, like you said, you're probably going to come out on top on your projects more times than not than if you didn't get people together. And that kind of goes back to what I talked about a little bit earlier with the scope creep issue is if you're not including some of your team members in these meetings, they may not be really clear on what's expected of them and what they should and shouldn't be doing. So if the client happens to reach out to them directly and ask them for something and they weren't in the meeting with you, all of a sudden, like, yeah, they want to service the client, which is really what they're taught most likely as a consultant. So they're going to jump on it, not knowing that they're doing something that they're not getting paid for. So JC's advice there that it's really more valuable to have people together than not. I agree with, I think meetings can be very high leverage if you have the right people in the meetings and you're running them effectively. The other thing that JC said that I just want to reinforce is the idea that people sometimes are more comfortable in smaller settings. I think that's really important. I know, in fact, from the, the development program that we built with Parametrics, we have some breakout sessions in the trainings, and then we come back together as a larger group. And it seems that when people come back together, they have some things to debrief because they were in a smaller group and they could get things going. So I think as a project manager, you need to make sure that your people are comfortable coming to you and asking questions, asking other people questions, kind of promoting that openness atmosphere. Because without that, JC, you know, they may not ask you the right questions that they need to ask you. Absolutely. You know, some folks are feel more comfortable speaking up through a lead of the group. And so having those breakout groups and having one person speak up on others' behalf can sometimes be beneficial as well. We've been dealing with a lot of remote work the last few years, you know, with COVID. You're talking maybe getting back to hybrid. I know some firms are, which is great. Regardless of all of that, there's going to be remote opportunities. There's going to be hybrid work. How do you continue to kind of motivate and engage your team in this landscape of various modes of work? It's certainly challenging and it's dynamic. It's always changing. I, I think everybody, no two employee owners of parametrics are working in the same situation. And it's just creating various opportunities for folks to get together, whether it's virtual get-togethers, hybrid get-togethers, or in person. We have a fair amount of folks that come in the office on a regular basis. I make a point of being here as a division manager, just to be here as a mentor opportunity for staff that needs to chat with me, whether project-related or operations-related. Continuing to find project work and align people with work they're passionate about is one thing that I think is really important to keep people motivated on the work they're doing. Because as we all know, there's tremendous amount of burnout going on right now as folks are working in isolated environments. And if we're not enjoying what we're doing, it's just going to lead to that burnout and feeling of isolation. How often are you meeting with your teams in person, virtually? How does that look for you right now? I have formal division meetings uh, about once a month, more often as needed. And then informally, I'm checking with folks, whether they're direct reports or indirect reports, on average, every one to two weeks, um, some more frequently as requested. I like to make myself available as needed. 
That's great. And I like what you said before about, you know, you come into the office, so you're there to provide some mentorship and some guidance for people. That's really important. I mean, I definitely agree that we can complete projects remotely. There's no doubt about that. There's tons of tools and tech out there today. I think what you miss sometimes is the mentoring and the guidance, like you mentioned, where someone could just walk up to you, knock on your door. Hey, JC, I got a question about this client or this project, or how should I be doing this extra work order? I want to make sure I do it the right way or something like that. And I do kind of feel that some of those instances are missed unless, like you said, the project manager or the leader of the group is extremely intentional about constantly making sure that those things are happening, which you always want to be. But, you know, when you're managing a lot of projects and a lot of people, sometimes that falls a little bit, you know, falls through the cracks or something you may miss or you may not get to engage with someone for a couple of weeks. So I really like the idea of as a project manager, as a leader, trying to get in the office, trying to make yourself available for mentoring, even if it is remote. Some of you may have limitations, you know, in office hours or something like that you could do with your team just to make yourself available. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like you mentioned, it's often that myself or other project managers, senior consultants at Parametrics will get a call from a client asking a question. And I think, you know, when we're in the office, it's real easy to walk out and talk with other folks and maybe bring some of our junior engineers into helping solve that problem versus just, well, I'm home and I'm isolated. I'm going to do it myself because of that intentional effort. It's really important as a project manager or a, you know, someone with operational responsibilities to go through that additional effort. And I may extend your day a little bit, but it's how we build our teams and how we facilitate career growth with some of our folks as well. JC, having visibility of how project tasks link together and how they're impacted by customer dependencies can be really helpful in terms of project management. What are some of the things Parametrics does to improve project visibility? First of all, we are all employee owners of Parametrics, so we're very transparent on our financials, whether it be company financials or project financials. And so it's really important that we start off, you know, with a once the scope schedule and budget is negotiated, that you share that with the entire team and uh, share with folks what their role on the project, what tasks are going to be important which tasks are going to be delivering and responsible for, as well as how much budget has been allocated to them as individuals. And I even take that a step further when I'm developing my scope and budget. I like to involve those folks to make sure they feel they have enough time. Obviously, sometimes in negotiations, things get skinny down and we have to cut scope as a result of that. But involving those folks from the project development into the project kickoff meeting is really important. One thing I do on all my projects, encourage all project managers to do, is to maintain a a issues list, both internal to our design team as well as external with our client and meet with our client on a regular basis and tie those decisions that are made back into our internal design decisions log. And we review that at every single design meeting just to make sure the ones that are outstanding, who's on point, who's supporting that individual what the time frame for getting that completed. And uh, then, you know, we color code it as they're being addressed and also as- assess a criticality with uh, decision-making on how critical that decision is and how it's going to affect either our scope or schedule on the project. This issues list is something that they develop and then you, re- like, let's say you have a project meeting, you get together, you're reviewing those lists, I guess? My larger projects, I meet with my internal team every week and we go through that issues list and, you know, any of the outstanding issues, 
talk about it. What are some of the challenges with closing out that issue? And, you know, they may be external issues and it may fall on me on a project manager to then meet with my client and their internal project team, make a recommendation to them. And then the client ultimately makes the decision. You know, in the end, it's the client's project. It's their, we are here to help them achieve their goals. So it's really important that they're the ones making the decisions and we're making recommendations to them. I like that a lot because I think also as a team member, if you have a list like that, you know you're going to be able to check it with your project manager, go through it with a mentor, someone, a leader on a regular basis. Again, it promotes the idea of openness. Let's talk about the issues. Let's go through them together. Let's attack them together. And I think those are the kind of things that can help people as they grow and become future project managers. I try to have my check-ins with a client later in a week and then follow up early in the week with my design team. So there's not a lag in that turnaround. So for example, right now, treatment plant upgrade project, I meet with the client on Fridays and then Monday we have our team meetings. So there's not an opportunity for the team, say a critical decision is made on Friday and we import that into our decisions list. There's not an opportunity for task or a team within the project to continue down the incorrect path and spend unnecessary effort on something that may have changed recently on the project. So as soon as you get it from the client, you're able to go right back to your team and voice it to them. So there's no miscommunications or missteps in a way. That's awesome. Exactly. Speaking about client communication, it's something I know Parametrics is really focused on. In fact, in the, in the training that we developed, we really drove home client communication, really breeds client satisfaction, of course. Client communication is very complex. The bigger the project, the more layers of decision-making that you kind of have to wade through. So you know you have to figure out what, when, how, and how much every stakeholder should really know. And that's something that could get pretty messy pretty quickly. So what are some of the tools that you use to assist with communication with different clients? Meetings are incredibly important. And then obviously emails and you know whether it be even down to text message or virtual meetings. First and foremost, for me and my experience, it's imperative to understand who at within your client is responsible for making decisions. Because often, like you mentioned, you get a lot of stakeholders at the table and you want to be responsive to your client and you think that's an important person and they may have decision authority, but they may not. And so they're asking you to do something on a project that may be out of scope, but oh, well, they're responsible. So I think we should do that. Establishing that decision-making matrix with a project and with your client is really important. Having regular and often check-ins with your client is important. I like to do it in person as much as possible and limitations with the pandemic having to do virtually, but just you know, sit down, work through that issues list, um, similar color coding with those issues that we do with our internal, how critical are they, and is it resulting in uh, scope creep? All projects, as a project manager, I think just about every project you're going to have one or two or sometimes multiple difficult conversations with a client, whether it be need additional budget or some sort of unforeseen hurdle that comes up. But it's important to have that communication early in a project. And I think we all know not all projects are going to go perfect. And I don't think our clients expect that either. But surprising them at the end or the second half of the project has never resulted in a positive outcome for me personally versus like the minute or within reason that we 
discover an issue, educate ourselves on it, and then go have that conversation with the client, they're going to be accepting of it and understanding and work through it with a much more positive outcome in my experience. Typically, I would say clients don't like surprises. Nobody does. (laughs) In the line of work that we do, the surprises usually aren't going to be great. I mean, maybe once off, hey, we saved you some money, we found an alternative, those things happen. But usually it's, you know, something's late, we got a supply chain issue, you know, something's going on. And so like you said, constant communication throughout the project allows you to not only inform them, but I think also, JC, you build relationships with your clients. You're going to be with them for years, hopefully. Building that relationship of trust and sometimes obviously the ideal relationship becomes that personal relationship where you become friends with the folks you're working with and you're really enjoying the work. That's the work that causes us all here to show up every day. You know, We start uh, developing those personal relationships with our clients and it's fun to work with them. And at the end of the day, we all realize we have a job to get done and we're all working towards the same goals. I always say to my clients, it's our responsibility to achieve your goals through this project and outline those goals early in the project and work towards those. And we're all working for the same thing at the end of the day. And I think if you build relationships with your clients and you're honest with them, even if it is a bad surprise, they know, like you just said, that you're on their team, you have a good relationship with them. Your only focus is to make sure that the project is successful. And I feel like then they understand, okay, it's bad news, but it happens on a project. I know, you know, JC is looking out for me. So it's time to just keep moving on as opposed to them, like, as understand, not being as understanding. Yeah. And it's incredibly important also to, if you identify an issue, obviously you need to work on coming to the table with a solution and just not go dump it back on your client and say, we discovered this issue. We're not really sure what to do. Sorry. You know, spend some time within reason to come up with some alternatives and some solutions for them to consider. You mentioned earlier on that, you know, you really pride yourself on delivering projects on time and on budget. And you mentioned how meetings are a real effective way that help you to do that. Are there any other tips or or strategies that you take that you can mention that you feel have been very helpful to you in delivering your projects on time and on budget? First of all, I think it's really important to go through the effort it takes to develop a concrete scope schedule and budget upfront with your client and have that communication. I think sometimes we rush to get the project under contract and then, you know, the schedule might not be clear or realistic, or we may just have a loose scope. And then there's lots of opportunity for scope creep, which may result in a project overrun. So going through that effort upfront to develop the project and the communication protocols with your client are really important. And make sure you're agreeing to a realistic schedule to begin with. And if the schedule is unrealistic, talk with your client about ways that whether it be, you know, maybe we can't deliver the full project, but here's some ideas of meeting this this deadline you're trying to achieve or alternate project delivery methods, things like that, come to them with additional solutions. And just they're more times than not going to be receptive to that open and honest communication and build that trust and that communication conduit throughout the project. I'm glad you said that because, you know, I do think sometimes as consultants or in the consulting world, 
you think of the consultant client relationship as a little bit of a good bad thing, whereas we don't think about it on this being on the same team. And you've everything you've suggested today is, hey, we're on the same team. We're both trying to execute this project. And I think that that hopefully for those of you that are maybe younger PMs or soon to be PMs, and you've heard a lot of that, you can try to shift your mindset a little bit because your client is your partner and you got to work together to get jobs done. Otherwise, it's going to be a rough ride for you as a project manager. It's going to be really tough The you know, I think those of us that have managed a lot of projects, we can point to those ones where it was that, like you said, client consultant sort of adversarial relationship, those ones that were all working together and working together to achieve the same goal. Everybody's having fun. We're showing up. We're having a good time. And, you know, at the same time, maintaining a professional relationship and working hard together to get the project done. What we're going to do now is we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back with JC and we're going to cover what he sees as the biggest project management pitfall. We'll be right back. All right. We are back with JC Hungerford, professional engineer, water division manager at Parametrics. JC, you gave us a lot of good info so far throughout this episode. However, I've got one last question for you. Over your time as a project manager, what have you seen as the biggest project management pitfall and how would you recommend that a project manager overcome it or avoid it? Can you share something with us? I think it's similar to the theme of what we've been talking about here, but starting off with clear communication of roles and responsibilities of a project, both internal to your project team and external with your client. Agreeing on a concrete scope, schedule, and budget is incredibly important. Communicating that with your team and then maintaining that communication throughout the duration of the project. I think sometimes what I've seen happen is budgets getting tight. So the first thing to be cut off is check-in meetings and we cut them off altogether and then assume that communication and the maintenance of the issues list is going on. And, you know, then we have pods of especially multidiscipline projects where you have tasks and task leads working on different tasks and they may not be coordinating because they're not provided that opportunity to come together. I've seen projects go south and go south quickly when that regular communication and the complete project team check-in starts to fall off. So even though on your project budget statement, it may look important or expensive, excuse me, because you have 15 people in a room, maybe shorten them to 15 minutes and follow up with individuals if it's becoming an issue. But there's so much value and you know so much actual design work that happens in that opportunity to meet when you bring the folks together. And you know one discipline may bring up a concern that affects another discipline. And without that opportunity to talk together, you're blind to that until you go through QC and it's like, well, this system isn't going to work with that system, electrical, mechanical, something, you know, for example. And so now we have a tremendous amount of rework to fix it. Yeah. So a couple of really good points there. Set your roles and responsibilities for your team at the beginning of the project. JC mentioned earlier, like a kickoff meeting, maybe doing it through that, making sure everyone's on the same page, and then continue to keep the communication lines open even between different disciplines and departments throughout the project. Sometimes you can squeeze those meetings, cut them out. Hey, we're good enough. We don't need them right now. We could skip a couple. And one division's not talking to another one. It's a very big issue, especially on multidiscipline projects, which a lot of you I know work on. There's overlap and things can happen between parties and they need to keep talking through them. 
So once again, we want to thank JC for coming on. We really enjoyed working with everyone at Parametrics on developing their project management development program. And training is important in general. If you're a young PM out there, you're looking to up, get your skills updated, ask your company if they have some kind of training program. It's a really important thing to do. I know a lot of consulting engineers, professionals get thrown into project management. They just kind of get thrown into it. Either you know somebody project manager left or it just became time and it's kind of like trial by fire. And I do think you can learn a lot on the job, but learning on the job while having support from your firm is even better. So Again, it was a pleasure working with everyone at Parametrics. If you want to check out Parametrics, you can check out their website at parametrics.com. They got a careers page with a lot of great opportunities right now. And JC, once again, thanks so much for coming to the podcast today. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Anthony. I really appreciate it and uh, enjoyed the opportunity to talk with you. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with JC. It's great to have such an experienced project manager come on and talk to us about some of his strategies, because really when you oversee that many people, 65 professionals, again, that's just internally, there's a lot going on. And I really loved his recommendation about having those issues lists available on your projects. And it sounds like that was real critical in having his projects finish on time and on budget. So maybe that's something that you can use or share with your colleagues if you are a project manager. And again, we really enjoyed working with Parametrics on building their project management development program. Great company, parametrics.com. You can check them out. Check out their careers page if you're looking for work because they do have a lot of great openings and a lot of great opportunities. And of course, if you are a firm interested in building your own project management development program, check out our website at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org or just give us a call, 800-920-4007. Again, that's 800-920-4007. And again, these episodes can all be found at www.engineeringpmpodcast.com. There you will find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources or websites mentioned during the episode. And until next time, I wish you the best in all of your engineering project management endeavors. 